You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. Please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Usually we would start at verse 18, but we're going to start again at verse 15. Then we're going to read a series of scripture and we'll proceed from there. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Go into first John chapter four. Now first John chapter four. Look at verse one. First uh, John chapter four, verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it is the false prophets that have these spirits that we are to test, not just demon spirits alone. Besides, demons are going to lie anyway. So we want to put the false prophets in whom these demon spirits possess, put them to the test. Verse two, by this we know, or by this you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the antichrist. See, again, there's a difference between the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist that works in Antichrists will not acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. They will deny that Jesus came in the flesh and other mystical things that is of Gnosticism which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So with John saying that the spirit of the Antichrist is now already in the world, then how much more is this spirit of the Antichrist present among us now? So that's why we have to identify the Antichrists among us. Now, when I say among us, it could be what, like what Paul spoke of in Acts chapter 17, which we'll get to shortly, where, uh, where within your mess will arise among you savage wolves, not sparing the flock. Those wolves are outside, but also from inside there will be wolves that will rise up and not spare the flock. Verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. So we have to identify who is the, the them. Now, it doesn't take away anything from overcoming Satan because we do that through Jesus. doesn't take away any, any, any way, shape, or form of that fact. But we're talking about the antichrists that are amongst us. 
We've overcome them. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Of course, the new King James want to mess it up. Uh, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, you, you, you just got to be different. <laughs> you just got to be different. All right, verse five. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. How do you know that people hear God? They hear us in terms of hearing the word of God. He who is not of God does not hear us. You can always tell the ones that don't want to hear from God. They don't want to hear his word. They, these individuals always try to work around the word. You know how we like to look for loopholes, look for an easy way around certain things. But when you come back to the word, that's where you will find individuals who are not of us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now go into the second epistle of John, the second epistle of John. Look at verse seven. The second epistle of John, verse seven. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. There are deceivers that are out there, y'all. Some of them are plain in, in sight. Some, some are savage wolves that, come in, uh, that rise up among us, and some are outside that come in. So if anybody tries to deceive you, they are an antichrist. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we work for. How many of you know that you don't want to lose something that you worked hard for? I mean, you worked hard to make that garden look good. You worked hard to make your house look right. And then a, and all of a sudden, somebody comes in and messes it up. Hear what John says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we worked for, uh, but that we may receive a full reward. Watch what it says in verse 9 now. Whoever transgress and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Now, remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. For many will come to me in that day and say, have we not cast out many devils in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And I will tell them that I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So we have to teach the body of Christ, the doctrine of Christ. And the way that they hear us is when they hear God's word and obey his word to the letter. They don't look for loopholes. They don't look for a cheap way to do the will of God. They endure the sound doctrine and they get through the tight place. For narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow means tight. You can't squeeze. It's, it's so tight that it encompasses your entire, if it, for lack of another analogy, your entire body. You squeeze in and you, you just fit. And so, the doctrine of Christ is what needs to be taught. Now, again, um, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says to, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what, thing, what things soever I've commanded you. When, when, when we teach people what the commandments of the Lord is, we're teaching them the doctrine of Christ. And so that's what we endeavor to do. We endeavor to teach nothing but the doctrine of Christ. 
sound doctrine of Christ. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him. Oh, we're supposed to be mean, Pastor. We're supposed to receive everybody. We're supposed to be walking in love. No, no, no. If you're not walking in the doctrine of Christ, Bible says here that it says right here, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Why? Because they're going to influence you against the doctrine of Christ. And that's what you don't want to do. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. If you just greet him, you may, whoa, Lord, that, wait, wait a minute, I can't receive that. Bye. <laughs> Have a nice day. Don't receive him into your house. Don't even greet him. Why? Because they're going to influence you away from Christ. So it's very important that we understand the whole counsel of God. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse 1. We shared from, from this scripture numerous, numerous times. Now, in the, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times or in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Can you see why you don't receive them into your house and you don't even greet them? Why? Because they're going to persuade you to depart from the faith. They're going to persuade you to depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. I like, I like the King James, seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. That, and that's what's out there today, and that's what's out there even trying to infiltrate into places where the truth of God's word used to exist. You will find that in the latter times, and these are the latter times that we're living in, that some will depart from the faith. Some will walk away. How many of you would ever, if somebody walked up to you and opened up a briefcase with a million dollars and said, this is yours, you can have it, would you walk away from it? Of course you want to go through the legal process. I want to, I want to before I take this, I want it in writing that this is mine. I just don't want to take it. And all of a sudden the police, the paddy wagon comes around the corner and says, you stole a million dollars. I don't. Let's, let's be on up and up. All right. So, but, but if, what would you do if somebody came up to you and gave you and, and gave you a briefcase full of a, a million dollars? Would you walk away from it? Of course not. Of course, you, you would have to be you would have to be insane. But many will walk away from a gift greater than a million dollars. That when you die. And because you've repented from dead works and applied faith toward God through our Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life abiding on the inside of you. Oh, no, I'm not walking away from this. <laughs> this is worth more than a million dollars. You can give me the whole planet and it wouldn't, it wouldn't measure up to the worth of the salvation that God gave me through his son. Wouldn't be worth it. In fact, Jesus said it like this. What shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? You gained the whole world, but you lost your soul. What, what's the worth? It's not worth it. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith. And, and why is that? They're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons or seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. I can't, I can't understand for the life of me why people sit in front of that TV and sitting in front of liars, but, but not so much sitting in front of it to believe what they say. There's a difference between knowing what the enemy is doing, getting intelligence, and an individual that is just sitting in front of that television and receiving lies. You know how, how well you, you, you receive lies? It's when you look at it at home and then you bring it in church. You're not talking about the word. You're talking about the lies that you sat in front of. And that's all you talk about. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking about it and putting it in the perspective of the word of God. You know, shedding the light of the word of God on those things. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about you're trying to sell people the lies that you were sitting under. And then you get all worked up, all upset, frustrated, mad, because we don't accept it. Like I said, you're entitled to be stupid. It's America. It's the First Amendment. But it's also the First Amendment right, if you want to look at it just from a constitutional standpoint, that I don't have to be dumb like you. People get all frustrated and mad because, because, because you, you tell them to do something and you don't do it and they get mad at you. They get mad at you because they come in and say, CDC says, and then you come with the word of God and they get mad at you because you gave them the word of God. In other words, you hold in higher esteem CDC than B-I-B-L-E. And then you get mad. Folk, don't get mad. Look, I'm a maverick. You know what I'm going to do. It's automatic. So, so they're going to influence you. They're going to influence you to walk away and depart from the faith. And you too will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Like Francis Chan. Like I said, we, we name names here. We don't, we're, we're not ashamed of naming names here because Paul named names, especially in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 2, I think it is. Hymenius, Philetus, and Alexander. He named names. Like Francis Chan, he's now talking about the Eucharist, Catholicism. And I'm like saying, dude, you're supposed to know the word. But because he's giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils, he can no longer be trusted. Now, you pray that they would come out from among them and be separate according to 2 Corinthians chapter four, uh, chapter 6 and verse 14. We, we, we pray that they come out of darkness and back into the light, but we have to start naming names lest you start listening to them and you're drawn away too. Got, you got you to listen to the word of God. You got to hold in high esteem the word of God over the individuals, even myself. You got to hold in high esteem the word of God over your pastor at all times. So they speak lies and hypocrisy. In other words, they're hypocritical about what they're lying about. You know what it is to be a hypocrite? A, a, a hypocrite is one is like a play actor. You're making believe that you're a person even though you're not the person. But when you're doing it in hypocrisy, you're all, these individuals also lie. Now we're watching in front of the TV screen how easy it is for them to sit there and lie in your face. I mean, it's so easy. And then, then you put the word on all this and you say, man, I can't accept this. Because it's designed to lure you away from the truth. Just like what it says here in the scriptures. You're giving heed to deceiving spirits. That's why Jesus said what he said in, in Luke chapter 8. He said, take heed how you hear. In other words, pay attention to what's being told you. And then always apply this very important scripture, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and search the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Look, Pastor, that was some good preaching, but I'm going to search you out. Pastor, love it. Pastors love it when a person says, Pastor, I'm going to search that out. I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to search that out. I'm going to take time to search it out. We love it. Because then we got, number one, we got your attention, and number two, you're diligent to follow after the commandments of the Lord and not take my word for it. Never take a, word, a pastor's word for it. When you hear a pastor say, trust me, just say, uh-oh. Those are some dangerous words. Don't trust me. Trust the word. And in fact, Jeremiah 17, you know, 5 and 10 talks about whether you, if you trust in, in man, you're cursed. 
But if you trust in, in God, you're blessed. And then verse 9, everybody love verse 9. We love verse 9. For the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Yeah. Who can know it? Then verse 10, I know I the Lord, I know I the Lord try the hearts. I know the hearts. I try the hearts. So people will depart from the faith because they're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons or seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Um, now go into Second uh, Timothy chapter four. That's what I should have. Second Timothy chapter four. Look at verse one. We've, we've talked about this on several occasions, but it's good to go back over it again. So now Paul says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. That's what you come to church for, right? You didn't come to church for nonsense. You didn't come to church for foolishness. And that's what some people, unfortunately, come to church for. They want to see foolishness all the time. But the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, I, I forgot where the location is, but I'm going to look it up later on, and hopefully next week I'll find, I'll find it. It says, the foolishness of fools is folly. The foolishness of fools is folly. You didn't come to church to hear foolishness. You came to church to hear the word preached. Sound doctrine. Be ready in season, Paul tells Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, be ready when you know you're, you're ready to give the word and be ready when you're relaxing. You know, when you're sitting by next to somebody and they always, you know, have a conversation about other things and all of a sudden you hear in the conversation something is going, you know, way left and, and it has nothing to do with the word and it's designed to take you away from the word. And then even when you're relaxed, nothing but the word pours out of you. Nothing but the word pours out of you. Nothing but the word pours out of you. Be ready in season and out of season. In season and out of season is even for the hearers. But, but the pastor got to be ready in season and out of season. When they're just having a... a plain old conversation, but you just hear something that just isn't right. And all of a sudden, the word comes out of you. You see, if, if you're a true pastor and you're a true shepherd, you won't let those things slide. You would nip it in the bud right there before it gets out of hand. I mean, it doesn't make sense to have a mop in a flood. And so you're sitting there and you saw, you saw the drip, 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 but you did nothing about it. All of a sudden you see the crack getting bigger and the water's coming out. And now it's a flood and then all of a sudden you say, oh, I better get a mop. No, you don't need a mop. You need to get that hole plugged. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, the book of Colossians says. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You don't have to be so serious all the time. Yes, I do. Because God is serious all the time. His word is nothing to be played with. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine. Why? Because in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I had enough of that preaching, preacher. Preach me something else. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they have itching ears, or they have ears that want to be tickled. They have itching ears. They have a desire to hear pleasant things or something pleasant. Please tell us about hope all the time. Why are you giving us all of this doom and gloom? Because 
we're at the point where the doom and gloom is about to manifest. All right, so you're standing in the middle of the street and all of a sudden you step out and then I see a truck coming down on you. Wouldn't you want me to say something? You got your phone, you got your phone, you got your phone like this and you're walking in the middle of the street. You want somebody to grab you and say, hey. You want somebody to warn you and the truck is getting closer and closer and before you know it, you're a flat pancake bleeding, bones broken, and busted all over the place. You want somebody to warn you. Why are you warning us all the time, Pastor? Can't you just give us something pleasant when the Lord says so? Not when you say so. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, they got a list of just in case you don't preach what I want you to preach, I'm going here. That's why when you sit there and you watch Joel Osteen, we name names here. He holds, he holds up his Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And then he put the Bible down and you don't see the Bible no more. But you see people, but you see people in the audience Excuse me. You see people in the audience and, and, and they're like this. Their Bibles are out. You see people there in the audience at Lakewood, their Bible is out, but you don't see any pages turning. They got their notepad, but you don't see them taking any notes. All you see is a Bible open in one spot and a notepad and no Bible, no word. And you wonder why people are so messed up. It's a wonder why they don't get up and go to a place where you hear a pastor, let's open up our Bibles too and begin to preach the text of the scriptures. But no, they sit, they come in and sit there each and every Sunday, Bibles open, but going nowhere. We name names here. A compromised pastor who isn't a pastor at all, really. It's a motivational speaker. Good if you want, coach, want to be coached in life, but when it comes to knowing the eternal scriptures that come from God, it is the pastor's responsibility to open up the text of the scriptures and to divulge or disseminate the word of God the way that it is written, line upon line, precept upon precept, sound doctrine, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In other words, they sit there and they hear stories all the time. Myths. You know what a myth is? A myth is like a story that is a, a pretend kind of story, like when you're watching superheroes, like Batman and Robin, Spider-Man, who they turn into a homosexual. You can't watch Spider-Man anymore unless you go back to the old cartoons, but children can't sit there and, 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 and not be indoctrinated. They got to indoctrinate the children because they want to make homosexuality acceptable. And here we got monkeypox going on out here and you want them to accept this? So don't turn your ears away from the truth and turn yourself aside to fables. But Paul tells Timothy, be watchful in all things. In other words, make sure you're watching, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill or make full proof of your ministry. Now I came across something that I said I was gonna mention, and, and this was very powerful. Um, you know, uh, identifying antichrists among us, this, this fits the bill. Uh, according to uh, one particular uh, news source, Witchcraft Experts publishes WAPO, and just in case you don't know what WAPO is, it's Washington Post, peace alarming dangerous Christians are harassing Wiccan festivals. In other words, they're harassing witches. Describing these Christians as a nuisance to witches, 
and occultists just trying to have their fun, she continued. Watch this now. Street preachers and Christian protesters have long been a fixture on earth-based religions, gathering as they try to distract and deter people from enjoying what are typically outdoor festivals and ritual gatherings. Producing spells is not fun. It's rituals of devils. The author quoted star Ravenhawk, an elder and priestess, now watch this, of the New York City Wiccan Family Temple, here in New York City. Can you see why this city is so jacked up? You got witches performing these fun rituals to disrupt people's lives, but Christian street preachers and protesters are interrupting them. Here in New York City. Now, I got to admit, I wasn't one of them. I have to admit, this was in Manhattan. They have street preachers in Manhattan. I mean, it does my heart so good to see that people are no longer sitting on the sidelines waiting for revival, but they are out there starting revival. They're, they're, and they're going into the witch's den to do it. We always talk about the power of God. Well, where, where, where are we out there in the street? Where are we? So this is a, a Wiccan family temple and organizer of Witches Fest USA who observed 30 evangelists this year outside of her July festival. I mean, 30 is a very small number. But you know the way I look at it like this. I look at it like this. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000. So to see 30 is a good number. But when you see them out there in the streets, we're not, we're not you know, planning or asking where they would be and just show up. They know where they are. They show up because it's online, and they just show up. We know that they plan for these events. But there are others that unknowingly know where certain people are and are assigned by God to stand on that corner and herald the gospel. And that's why preaching the gospel is the most effective way. Now, we don't minimize tracts. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said that if you don't have time to minister, have a striking track ready. So tracks are good when you don't have the time to minister. You can just put it in their hand and they'll accept it. And some will accept it, some will reject it. So always have your tracks ready. Uh, uh, but, but the preaching of the word is the most effective way to get the gospel to people. Why? Because everybody knows that when somebody is talking about Jesus, the right way, of course, and you're not doing it to harm people, you're not doing it to make people feel uncomfortable, although they are, but you're doing it because the Lord told you to do it so that way the word of God gets to them. Because God can take the seed of one preacher and turn it into a garden. Note that what God does when Christians and street preachers are on post now, we don't hunt for where witches assemble. We just pick a corner and indiscriminately, God, God does the rest. But there are groups that hunt where they assemble, such as these 30 evangelists. I don't think it's counterproductive because, you know, if, if getting salvation and being saved from hell is important, you want to be able to do the most effective kind of work possible. We see this in the book of Acts chapter 4 and also Acts chapter 5. All to preach faithfully the gospel of Jesus so they would come out of darkness and into his marvelous light, as Peter said, from the power of Satan unto God, as Paul said. So uh, uh, antichrists that come up among us, we know that they do come up among us, and some of them are in pulpits, some of them are in pews, but also there are those that are out there on the street doing work against the Antichrist, or at least the spirit of Antichrist, I should say, by preaching the word of God and open-air preaching. Now, last week I said that we, we were going to go into Jeremiah 28. Please go there now. 
because I want to lay uh, this story about uh, false prophets. Uh, I want to put it in its proper perspective because proper biblical perspective, so that way you understand what where this is coming from. In terms, in terms of false prophets among us. Here in Jeremiah chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and of all the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house. That Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon says the Lord, says the Lord, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Well, yeah, that part the Lord will do, but you just don't know when. Verse five, then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, amen. Jeremiah said, amen. Now, you know, when a real prophet says amen, you better watch out. Now, I don't know if Jeremiah said this sarcastically or was in agreement. I really don't know. I'm not going to go there in that measure of speculation. But we know that Jeremiah said amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words, which you have prophesied, to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were captive away, carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now this word. Now that part of the word, yes, but in two years, no. Why? Because in Jeremiah 25, the Lord said 70 years. So don't you think that the Lord would be confused if he used this prophet to say two years when he first spoke to Jeremiah in 25th chapter, in the 25th chapter and said 70 years? So who's lying? Remember that that. Part of the scripture speaking lies in hypocrisy. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. That's why you got to be very careful of those individuals that say, thus saith the Lord. You better be very careful. You better be very careful to if you say that and you be ve- you better be very careful to hear it. Don't just get up because you feel something. Feeling something does not qualify you to prophesy. Know that the Lord told you. You can, know, you can always know when somebody's faking it. You know, I feel the Lord saying something to me. What? Feel? Well, don't you supposed to know? You know, I think the Lord is saying this to me. You got to be careful of those individuals. Uh, The prophets who have been before me, verse 8, and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke. See, he wasn't convinced. See, when a prophet is telling you, wait a minute, what you're saying is questionable here. We're going to find out what the Lord really said. Then Hananiah, he wasn't convinced. He, the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. In other words, Jeremiah was carrying some type of material on his, head, on his neck which was a symbol, a spiritual prophetic symbol to the nation of Israel that you are under my yoke. And then you want to take that yoke that is used as a symbol to Israel 
that God is dealing with you because you're under his direction, you want to take that symbol and then do this? He took, a, he took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. You know, you got to be bold to take something that God told Jeremiah to wear and break it. You got to be some kind of special, some kind of special bold. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people saying, thus says the Lord, even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. You see, Hananiah was convinced that God was going to do this in two years. You know why he was convinced? You know why he was convinced? Because he felt it. He didn't know it. He, 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 he felt it. But you see, if he knew anything about the word of the Lord, he would have went back to what Jeremiah said, that God said this, this will be for 70 years. And he would have not done this. But all of a sudden, God changes his mind. Is it going to be two years now? No, 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 no. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. In other words, he got up out of there. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had spoken the yoke from the neck, had broken rather, the yoke of the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, go and tell Hananiah. In other words, God said, you ready? You ready? God said, tell him Jeremiah, go tell him this. Thus says the Lord, you have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. You know what a yoke of iron is? You can't break it. What is the Lord telling Hananiah? That you can't break me. Who are you to try to break me? You have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on your neck, on the neck rather, of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Israel was a part of that yoke. And they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. That's why you need to be careful with your thus say of the Lord especially when God did not send you. If he didn't send you, your best bet is to keep your mouth shut. Don't go by what you feel. Go by what he said in his word that you know. Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year, the two years didn't even start. He said, this year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. That automatically should have proved to not just Hananiah, even though he did, but to everybody that heard him that God is the Lord. If a false prophet died and God said, you're going to die and you died, well, that should have put the fear of God in your heart that God is serious. And this is nothing to play with. Go to the 29th chapter now, verse one. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests of the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah, the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of, of Shaphan, of uh, Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, 
Can, can you see what the Lord is doing here? He's telling them, build houses. What I want to point out to you is this, that even in the times that we're living in, that are tough times that we're experiencing now, and oh, by the way, this, it def, def, this definitely isn't build back better. It's called build back worse. Oh, you're getting on Biden again. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know how much, you know how much the student bailout thing costs? Over 10 years, the American taxpayer will pay between 300 billion and 980 billion in tax. It's also estimated that each taxpayer will, during that time, pay $2,000 more in taxes every year to pay for a student loan that they should have paid back on their own. It's not student loan forgiveness. It's not forgiveness because another source is paying for it. What about all those individuals that, that paid their student loans fair and square? What about them? Well, the Secretary of Energy, when he was questioned about this, was asked the question, will the individuals that paid all their student loans back get anything out of this? He said, no. Something's wrong here when somebody gets money and I don't. Something wrong with that picture. Um, and then you have $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act that all the top economists have said it's going to add to the inflation. So what does the Federal Reserve Board does? They raise interest rates and he said this will be raised for the foreseeable time until we get inflation under control. So wait a minute, you passed an Inflation Reduction Act. Now you're gonna raise interest rates to calm the inflation that that bill won't do anything for. Somebody lied. Somebody lied. All right, so uh, that, that's my two cents worth in that area. Verse four in uh, Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. What is the Lord telling the children of Israel? That even in cap captivity, you will prosper. Even in captivity, you will prosper. You see, even though these events that are leading up to the last days and Antichrist rising among us, you got to understand something, that if you begin to just simply do what God said in his word to do, then you will get through these tough times. You will get through these tough times. So God tells the, the nation of Israel, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat fruit and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. So there's nothing wrong with praying for the peace of New York City. There's nothing wrong with praying for the peace of New York State, even though it is under lock and key by individuals that don't have your best interests in mind. Pray for its peace. This is something that we can take from this from this scripture, that God will, will protect us and God will prosper us through these rough times, but you gotta be doing his word, you gotta be doing his will, and pray for the peace of this city, and pray for the peace of this state. Verse eight, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Who are where? In your midst. Just like there in the Old Testament, as far as Jeremiah and Babylon is concerned, Jeremiah at, that, at this time was still in, in Jerusalem, but he sent the letters to, to Babylon to tell the children of Israel to do these things. The same can be said for us today, that there are deceivers among us. And all I kept seeing on, on my Facebook page are, you know, what, it, it, are called, what we call sponsors. But, but it's called boost. 
you know, you, you pay a certain amount and you boost your post and it's allowed to be seen by other individuals. So all these churches that are, that are paying to boost, to, to put out their ad, I don't do that. I don't need to do that. There's no need for me to do that. God knows where we are and he knows how to get our word, the, his word out. And, and, and so I see all these posts and these ads and there's just like what we've read this morning about uh, individuals uh, not being as concerned about the end times, although we see some concern, but not as much concern. And none of them is about that. It's, it's about other things, other issues. And we're getting closer and closer to the moment when the father will tell his son, go get my people. We're getting closer and closer to these events. I mean, it's just like your wife laying next to you and she's pregnant and all of a sudden she feels the first pain. But sometimes they say, well, that, that can't be anything. But then it gets a little intense and then it closes in time. And, and, then, and then she says, honey, it's time. What are you going to do? You're going to turn over and say, nah, I don't believe it's time. It's not time. You're not having this child. It's going to be a while. No, no, no. Believe, believe me when I say, did I do that? I said, no, we got to get up. Go. We got to go. We, we got to, we, look, I don't know how to deliver a baby. I don't know how to do this. I, I know how to get you to the hospital, but I don't know how to deliver. Uh, 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 we're seeing these churches that are looking at these events and it's happening faster and faster. The intensity of the, of the pains are happening quicker and quicker and none of them are paying attention to these things. Why? Because there is a possibility that, that there are antichrists and that there are antichrists in their midst that allow them to see other things other than what's going on out there in the world. So he says in verse 9 again, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamt. Now, uh, cause to be dreamed. Uh, didn't we see this in 2 John and verse 7? Didn't we see that there? Where you're not even supposed to let them in your house and you're not supposed to greet them? Here God is saying the same thing. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed. Here again, he's reiterating 70 years. Not the two years that Hananiah wanted to put out. Look, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that you get the prophesy comfort. I know you don't like Babylon right now. I know you want to go back to Jerusalem right now. But I'm going to hold you in Babylon for 70 years. So just get used to it. Build houses, plant vineyards. If you got daughters, give them in marriage, have a big family, and have a nice day. I know it's tough right now in New York. I know it's tough right now in Babylon. But do what God says in his word and he'll keep you through this. He'll keep you through this. You probably made some mistakes along the way, but God's not going to hold you to it if you repent of them and never make that mistake again. If you simply say, you know, I never should have done that. All right. Okay. We're not going to hold it over your head. God's not going to hold it over you. Just repent. Just tell God that you miss it. Or if you've sinned, tell God that you sinned. Don't tell him that you made a mistake. That's, the, that's, that's deception right there. God, I made a mistake. No, you sinned, God said. You sinned. Now, if you didn't sin or you just made a mistake, God will not hold that to you. Just say, well, God, God, I made a mistake. Now I'm going to do Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I'm going, I'm going to trust you from here on out. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you 
and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is consistent with what we're supposed to be experiencing as far as what God has in store for us. Now, remember in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said that all these things must come to pass, but don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled about these things. These things, these things are on schedule. You see, nothing catches God off guard. Nothing. God doesn't come up to a bump in the road and say, I didn't expect that. God knows where every bump is. God knows where every barrier is and he's not caught off guard about it. And that, and that means that we, neither should we, all these things are on schedule because why? Because Acts chapter 17, if, if, uh, we'll go there in a moment, but tells us that he has set a date. He knows the date. We don't, Jesus don't, the Holy spirit don't. So we don't put a date on the coming of the Lord because who made you special? that you know exactly when Jesus is coming, when Jesus don't know, and the Holy Spirit don't know, and Jesus is God the Son, and the Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. And they're God, but even they don't know the date that's in the Father's heart. Well, wait a minute, I thought that, that he's omniscient, he knows everything. Yeah, God the Father does. But one thing that Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't know is the date. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. In other words, they thought that God was doing evil. Even to this very day, Isaiah 53 is not read in their synagogues because they believe that during the Holocaust that God meant evil for them. Even to this day. But they're going to be judged about that. They're going to be judged about that because they rejected his son. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. The book of Revelation is not just about the church in terms of chapter 2 and chapter 3. But after chapter 3, chapter 4, now you're dealing with Israel. Of course, there will be the greatest end-time revival in history. It takes place in the seventh chapter of Revelation, where people who refuse the mark of the beast will be brought into the kingdom when they repent of sin, and place faith on Christ alone. In fact, it's going to be the biggest revival that the Bible says a number that no man can number. And that's why when you see the resistance that is happening now against the Democrats in the United States, you, you're probably looking at some of the seed that may come into Christ if the, if the tribulation period were to start that will reject the beast's demand to comply. And so now those who haven't, those who have complied know what it's like to be told what to do. You're made to do it. And now you're under their sway. And those who have not complied know exactly what it means to say, I ain't doing that. Look, you're entitled to be dumb, but don't ask me to be dumb with you. They're not complying simply because they know what it means. Because five and 10 years down the road, you don't know what's going to happen. But now you know how to act. The next time, I ain't doing it. For God I live and for God I die. I'm not going to do it. Period. Don't ask me. All right, so he, God knows the, 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 uh, the thoughts that he thinks toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me even in captivity. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. The Lord, uh, and I will bring you to places from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, go to Acts chapter 17, and this is where we'll close. Acts chapter 17, and, and we're going to see the date. Uh, I didn't get much into uh, uh, identifying antichrists among us, but we're going to do that next, Lord willing, next Sunday. But Acts chapter 17, look at verse 30. 
Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day. He has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given us assurance of, of this to all by raising him from the dead. And so we're going to get into the fact of how people were duped into thinking that the resurrection has passed. And that's where we'll be going into uh, first uh, Timothy chapter one, I believe it is, uh, identifying antichrists among us. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.